Hello, and welcome to the Newton Knowledge Podcast. My name is Mark Singer, one of the partners at Newton One, and I'm joined today by my colleague, partner, and principal of our firm, Stephen Target. Steve, how are you? Super hot day today here in Philadelphia. Oh, man, it's swampy out. Uh, For those listening for the first time, the Newton Knowledge Podcast is intended to complement our Newton Knowledge webinars by providing meaningful content to our valued advisor community. And generally, anyone interested in learning more about sophisticated insurance-related topics focused on estate planning and executive benefits. During our podcast, we focus on discussions on topical issues that provide you with unique insight into the people, processes, and products that make our industry so critical. We will occasionally highlight individuals who have been meaningful to Newton One and therefore have contributed to helping us serve our valued clients. Newton One is a national life insurance planning firm delivering insurance solutions structured to help clients and their advisors engaged in solving estate planning, wealth transfer, and business succession and executive benefits challenges. We are a member of the M Financial Group, offering our clients access to the nation's most prestigious insurance carriers who develop innovative products available throughout our network. Today, we have the privilege and opportunity to talk with Mark McCullough, president and founder of Boulevard Financial. Mark's firm specializes in the design, implementation, and administration of executive benefits and wealth preservation plans. Similar to M Financial Boulevard works closely, clients and their advisors to offer advice and provide creative, customized solutions to complex financial needs. Today's focus will be primarily on private placement life insurance and annuities. So to no further ado, Mark, welcome. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you uh, having me today and uh, thanks for the time. Absolutely. We appreciate you being here and taking some time out of your day to talk to us. Let's kick off with your background and how you got started into the business and then and then elaborate a little bit more about uh, Boulevard Financial. Sure, sure. Yeah, kind of high level. I started uh, in the insurance industry back in 1994, so quite some time ago. I was doing the math uh, this morning and uh, it's, getting, getting, uh, it's getting up there in years, but uh, I started in, in 94 after graduating from law school. We're here in Kansas City. I started out in uh, in Tulsa. Began my career at Mass Mutual in the traditional kind of agency system and uh, had an exposure there to quite a few things. Um, was there for a handful of years and then I left to take a position as the vice president of the National Life and Executive Benefits Division for Aon Consulting, which is the largest public broker in the world. That was an interesting experience as well, a lot of exposure to executive benefits and wealth transfer opportunities through that relationship. Um, left there to establish the Executive Benefits Division uh, on a national basis with locked-in companies, which is what brought me here to Kansas City. They're the largest private insurance broker in the in the world. I left uh, with there a number of years and then left in 2010. Uh, to establish what's now Boulevard Financial. So, and our focus really is in delivering institutional life insurance solutions and executive benefit strategies for high net worth individuals and executives. And we really, I guess, if I were to focus the conversation or focus the emphasis of what we do is really in around two types of tax issues, income uh, and estate tax issues. And we really craft policies for individual life insurance, executive benefits, non-qualified plans, business succession, and then uh, how we can use uh, corporate on life insurance arrangements and individual products to address those needs. And then we also have a, a fair amount that we do in the bank on life insurance space as well. Thanks for that, Mark. That's, um, that's helpful. And it's, it's important for our, our listeners and audience to understand uh, who we both are. And, you know, I, I guess I'll just reiterate that Newton One and Boulevard have collaborated on projects and, and we, we really enjoy working with you and can't wait for the day again when you can jump on a plane and come visit with us out here. So let's jump into it. And, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about a product today or products today, the private placement space, private placement life and annuity products. 
And I guess just as a kind of a foundational statement, and I'll ask you for validation on whether you would you would agree with this, but because of the markets that we work in and, and these products, and with the, the likelihood that there's going to be some increasing taxes, and with some recent changes, improvements, actually, to the, to the build of, of life insurance products, we might say that there's there's no better time than the present to look at these products again for the right clients. By way of disclosure, uh, private placement life and annuity products are not the right products for everybody. Uh, there has to be a thorough vetting process to determine that they're appropriate for the individual and for the corporate clients. But my question to you is, you know, would you agree with that? Do you think just based on what we're hearing and and reading and and kind of trying to understand uh what may be coming in the coming months and years with increased taxes. Is is this potentially just a really good time to look at these products again? Yeah, Steve, no, it's, it's a great point and, uh, and absolutely true. We're seeing a lot of um, uptick in, in interest, um, you know, due to, I guess you could say uncertainty, but also there is some certainty with respect to direction in terms of where we think the, um, where we believe the, the are going both from an income tax standpoint and the capital gains, uh, which is also a you know a big piece. Um, we've also got state tax considerations and how those are going to be changed potentially. So all of those really play into the product that we're talking about today. And for the right person, um, you know, what does that look like? And you know, what are the advantages? Uh, you know, over and above beyond a, a traditional retail type of product solution. So we're seeing a lot of interest in, and uh, just because of the, of the tax environment that you referenced. So it's absolutely true. Let's assume that somebody listening today has never heard of private placement products, life insurance products. And uh, we have Professor McCullough on the, on the phone with us today. Uh, Professor, explain to us what a private placement product is. I'll try to boil it down into just some, you know, kind of high points and, and what some of the differentiators, but at its core, really, private placement product is really a customized uh, life insurance product solution. So, um, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a variable universal life insurance product that's available as a private placement. And think of it I really as the product has institutional pricing versus retail pricing. So we're able to go into a product and, and customize it for that particular purpose. And when I say customize it, I mean that the charges, fees, commissions, uh, all those things are customized negotiated and spread over longer periods of time to create a very efficient product. So the product also offers a wide variety of underlying asset management choices for policy assets. And so you have a traditional uh, investments that you can fund, so to speak, that you can invest in, but you also have some alternative investment strategies that are very interesting and, and create some leverage. So there's a wide, wider uh, variety of, of those underlying investments. To purchase a private placement product, the investor, the purchaser must be an accredited investor or qualified purchaser. You know, qualified purchaser is someone with individual with five million or more qualified investments, a family-owned company with five million of qualified investments, corporation or partnership with at least 25 million in qualified investments. A credit investor is really individuals with a net worth greater than 1 million or reported annual income of uh, 300,000 joint filers for the last two years. And then institutional investors would, would qualify at assets in excess of 5 million. So again, it's a, you have to you know, qualify from, a, from that standpoint. And then I would say as, you know, in terms of 
who's eligible or who typically will get in this probably a little bit more later, but typically it's targeted towards a four to $5 million investment or so. Um, although smaller amounts are possible. So typically that's, that's where we, we see the, you know, the, the highlights in terms of who's a, who's a purchaser and, and where does it fit and what are some of the differentiators of that. But in essence, it's a customized life insurance solution and, and we can go in and design a lot of those uh, factors to make it a very, very efficient uh, product uh, for the, for the purchaser. Yeah, let's let's dive a little bit deeper into that. We talk about the ultra high net worth market. You've defined who may be a good uh, individual or family to to purchase this product. How does it apply in the corporate marketplace? Where, where do you see the application of private placement life or annuity products in the in the corporate market? Yeah, so corporate uh, products are, are it's used in the corporate environment as well for uh, companies who are trying to off traditionally companies who are trying to offset um, benefit liabilities that may be on the books. So think of uh, you know a non-qualified plan, um, a SERP arrangement. Um, banks use a very similar product and can use a, a true private placement product for bank on life insurance. So a, st- a strategic asset class. Companies use it, uh, insurance companies use it. So insurance companies actually hold insurance products on their books because of uh, the tax, the tax treatment and, and uh, risk-based capital um, attributes. So the product itself, and private placement product, can be used both in the individual setting and the corporate setting, as you reference. And it really depends on what they're trying to accomplish um, and what they're maybe trying to offset from a from benefit cost or benefit obligation standpoint. So at, at the higher levels, uh, we see those um, products being used um, just because of the efficiencies and the pricing efficiencies inside those products. It creates some positive balance sheet impact for them from day one, so to speak. And so that's where we see those types of policies being used in both in both settings. The opportunity to defer the tax on gains from the underlying separate accounts can apply to both individuals and to banks, companies, corporations and insurance companies it could benefit all of the above. That's right. There's no uh, no taxation on that buildup inside in, inside the product, and then on the backside coming out through distributions and loans uh, through the policy. So um, it's it's a very efficient uh, accumulation distribution mechanism for those products to back those designs and programs that may be in place. I think with that, the, the, these products are not a set it and forget it sort of strategy, right? I mean, there, there there's a lot of ongoing service and maintenance that needs to occur within within the products. Do you, do you want to maybe touch on that a little bit? What, what do you see as, you know, once a, the product is placed from an ongoing many years of service standpoint, what are the most important factors in order to make sure that the product performs appropriately? Yeah, no, it's definitely something that, um, you know, needs to be managed. And really that's for two reasons. One is you're wanting to manage because it's, it's a, it's a long-term commitment and, and typically you're managing towards a specific goal that's in mind for the placement at the, the front. So those things can change over time as well. And the second thing is really the, the, the funds underlying the investment inside the product, you know, need to be managed. So a lot of times uh, when we place these, we'll be, you know, we'll be working with an outside money manager that may be a family office, a private bank, you know, someone that's uh, really brought that individual or, or entity to the table. So it does, you know, there's within the policy, there's management that goes on on the investment side, but also managing the life insurance components. So really understanding on the front end what the individual or the company is trying to accomplish. And then, again, being able to craft this type of policy to really accomplish those things in a, in a most efficient way. 
you know, the benefits of that, you know, an individual or, or the, or the company is really the tax-free investment environment for the policy cash values. So it's, it's a very good hedge and alternative to other tax inefficient investments. Um, the transparency, the pricing, low cost structure is, is really of interest as well. So, and then the flexibility. So you've, you've got, you know, broad selection of investment managers, strategies, and asset classes. Um, you can change those asset managers and classes within the product. You can borrow, withdraw and borrow from the policy at, at minimal cost, tax free through the policy if with proper structuring. And then the beneficiary, you know, obviously with, uh, you know, receives the death benefit free of income tax of a structured policy properly and free of estate tax as well. So because of those attributes, it, it does require management. Definitely, to your point, isn't something that you just set and forget. And uh, it, it does require active involvement and in management of the policy. I guess another important factor is because of the specialized nature, of both of the product and the servicing and this, frankly, the sale of, of private placement products. You know, not all insurance companies manufacture these products. There's a very kind of narrow lane of, of available products. Do, do you want to talk maybe, you know, without naming carriers, but just uh, about access to the products and, and how clients would find uh, access to these products? I don't, I don't think all insurance advisors are even aware of private placement products. Yeah, no, it's a very small subset, really. Um, it, it's a small uh, product space, and, and it's a small advisor space, really, that has access to those products. And, and on the carrier's side, it can take a number of years to get that product priced and off the ground and have the, you know, the funding behind that from a client standpoint to, to really make that profitable, so to speak, at the carrier level. So it's, it is something that very few people, we've actually had some very large insurance carriers that have had products in the past that have discontinued those products and because of the market and, and, and where it is, although we've, we've seen a lot of consolidation as well. So for the Magnastar platform that, that M Financial has, is, has been around since 2001 when it was introduced. And it's actually a platform of, of three different carriers product. It has a common administration platform and, and product pricing. And they use, we're able to use the pricing and mortality uh, assumption through M that we've had since the late 70s. So we have the reinsurance company as well, M Financial Re, that's behind that. And if you look at since 2001, we have assets in that product now that are approaching $3 billion, so pretty substantial. But that, that platform allows the flexibility to charge the expenses and premium loads and amortize them and other things over long periods of time, and then the flexibility to optimize the short-term or long-term performance. So it is a small product space, but um, it is one that is consistently growing, to your point earlier about the tax environment that we're in. And where we're headed. So it is something that's a hard market to get into. You know, it is one that we've been in through the Magnastar platform for quite some time and have had some some real success. I also want to point out to one of your earlier questions, the benefits you know, to the private placement and, and who's eligible. One thing also that I failed to mention that I think is important is the underlying investment uh, issuers inside those contracts. You, you don't have K-1 generation, uh, so you eliminate the K-1 generation from uh, the underlying investment issuers. And that can be a, a pretty big deal for people who are invested in the same type of funds in a taxable environment. When you have that inside this the private placement product, um, you eliminate those K-1. And I think really to kind of help crystallize the product retail versus private placement. And when I say retail, I, I mean, typically retail, what most people would be familiar with retail off the shelf type product. 
Retail products, typically you're trying to maximize death benefit with smaller deposits or premium over longer periods of time. And death benefit is really the primary purchase goal of that product. Private placement, you're really minimizing death benefit with larger deposits of premiums over shorter periods of time with tax efficient investment as the really primary purchase goal. So you're comparing tax efficient purchase goal of cash versus primary purchase goal of death benefit on the retail side. So I really say a lot of times that the primary advantage of private placement is the ability to design a life insurance policy to look uh, opposite from or less like a traditional life insurance policy. Another item that, that makes this insurance product unique is the transparency of expenses. At a high level, what are the embedded expenses in both uh, a life insurance placement as well as uh, annuity product within private placement? Yeah, so typically insurance-related taxes and fees are made up of a few things. Um, DAC taxes, federal DAC taxes are typically 1% to 1.5%, 1 so 100, 150 basis points. Um, premium tax really varies by state, but on average, it, you know, typically a 200 basis point premium tax on that. Mortality and expense, so M&E charges inside a contract, typically those are scaled by asset size and duration. So I'd say if we were saying typically you'd see something in the 50 basis points of cash value the first 10 years, maybe 40 basis points the second 10 years, and then 20 basis points thereafter. So, you know, again, that's something that moves over time um, based on the uh, mortality and, and expense charges and and, and then the last one really, or the last two, I guess, with the cost of insurance charges, those are variable. Um, those really depend on death benefit, amount, age of the person, uh, gender of the person, and then the health of the insured. So that's another charge. And then the last one would be compensation. So typically with private placement, there's very, very low, if any, front-end compensation. And it's typically more on a percent of premium on a go-forward basis on a, on a trail. So typically that's somewhere in the 10 to 50 basis points per year of, of cash value in terms of compensation. So again, some of the things that you mentioned, you know, why is this more efficient? It's, and it's a result really of, of all those things. Uh, you can do some some interesting things as well, you know, with respect to placement, you know, where that particular contract is owned, which we may get into here in a minute. But um, th those would be the main things that with respect to, to fees and, and taxes. And again, you know, the idea with this product being because of the institutional nature and of the investments and the contract itself and being able to really customize those and spread them over long periods of time. So it becomes a very, very efficient tool for accumulation distribution of cash. Yeah, that's great. And in terms of customization, what sort of separate accounts or insurance dedicated funds can be accessed in, in a private placement product? Yeah, so you, it's really expanded. It's constantly changing. Um, things are being added all the time, which is great. You, know, you have your traditional funds that, that people would be familiar with. So well, we have a, a product, for instance, uh, the, the, one of the products on the uh, Magnastar platform, is there's like 140 some odd investment choices, but you have things, you know, household names, so to speak, in your traditional funds. So, you know, American funds, Fidelity, Vanguard, MFS, JP Morgan, BlackRock, you know, you have some target funds, invest target date type funds. So really, and, and those can be in, in areas, you know, where you have tactical type uh, investment choices, you can have growth, commodities. The other really bucket, so to speak, or area is alternative investment. So these are things, you know, you may have some credit strategies or sector strategies or credit opportunities. Uh, you may have some 
you know, macro type strategies or event driven type funds, multi strategy. So taxation, uh, you may have a real estate fund. So there are different asset strategies that you can put inside that contract. So a lot of times we'll work with people who may be working with a family office or a private bank and, and they have right now, you know, they may be invested in something that they really like from a investment standpoint in terms of returns and market exposure. What they don't like is the taxation of that. So there's a lot of portfolio, sometimes portfolio turnover inside those alternative classes. There's dividend capital gains. I mentioned the K-1 generation. So a lot of times we're brought in to actually create a insurance dedicated fund that matches that taxable fund. So someone may say, well, my clients, you know, they have 20, 30 million dollars invested in fund A and we'll go in with them and create an insurance dedicated fund on the life insurance platform. So we're basically wrapping that uh, strategy in the in the life insurance wrapper so that now you don't have those tax inefficiencies and drag inside that investment strategy any longer. So um, it becomes a very efficient way then to to mitigate those taxes and and portfolio turnover, K-1 generation, et cetera, that I mentioned. Mark, you kind of alluded to this, but I'll I'll ask you to dive a bit deeper. As you're building and structuring these policies, there's there's also some opportunity, I think, to, depending upon the ownership, and maybe you know where the domiciled ownership is of that contract. That that could also impact impact some of the pricing. Is that is that true? Absolutely. Yeah, we had a client recently uh, who had a a trust that it was a trust-owned policy, private placement product, and um, it was actually with a carrier who had uh, exited the business, a large carrier. They decided to to get out of that space, and so we moved that product and. They only had six investment choices inside that product. So we actually moved over to uh, the Magnastar platform product and um, uh, we're able to uh, uh, get them, as I said, could take them from six choices to almost 140. Um, and we cited that actually the trust was located in South Dakota. So because of that, we were able to depress even further the, some of those taxes that we mentioned that vary by state. So there are friendly states, so to speak, that, you know, with respect to these arrangements. Delaware, um, I mentioned South Dakota, uh, Nevada. Uh, so there's there are places where it makes sense to look at that. And then we were able actually to, to my previous point there. We actually they uh, were working with an investment advisor out of New York, uh, 150 plus year old uh, investment manager. And we actually they they had a strategy that they were invested in that they really liked, but again they didn't like the taxation of that. So we were actually able to take the money, the existing money that was inside the private placement, clone a uh, strategy that, that the investment manager came up with and bolted it on, so to speak, to the product and, and were able then to keep them invested in the same ways, but now inside that tax-free environment, inside the, the life insurance uh, product. So it was a win, not only from Titus, where it was located from a tax standpoint and, and pricing standpoint that you referenced, but also from the ultimate uh, investment choice and where they wanted to be. So it was, it was a great solution. Well, Mark, there's there's so much more we could go into here. And I guess um, before I turn it back to you for some closing comments, my, my closing comment or suggestion would be that if anybody listening today has any additional questions or they believe that there may be some opportunity, any of their clients or themselves for that matter, we at Newton One would certainly be happy to talk to you, as would Mark and his team at Boulevard. So we we appreciate you being with us, taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, I'm going to pass it back to you to to close down here. Is there anything that we missed? Is there anything at a high level that you would like our listeners to, uh, to take away from today's call? 
Yeah, I think wrapping to your your earlier point when we first started, you know, this you know private placement's a, a great solution for the right person, right need. It's not someone that's with traditional life insurance needs in terms of income replacement or a conservative risk profile. Um, it's really for someone that has a you know large percentage of their wealth in invested assets, um, as opposed to illiquid assets uh, or closely held business interests, and and a portion of that investment portfolio is invested in tax inefficient asset classes. And so, if they have that and they've got a desire to invest in alternative or or as a as we say non correlated to the equity markets asset classes, if, if that's a an interest and they seek to maximize that growth of assets uh, over time for transfer to the next generation, then, um, you know, it's a great, uh, a great consideration. And again, because of the, the leverage in the tax environment that we're in and, and potentially going towards it, it certainly um, may have a, a place in, in their overall strategy. Mark, this was great. Thank you for your time. And, and I just want to say being part of the, the M family, we're truly fortunate to have yourself and, and Boulevard Financial as a, a resource and a, and a close partner for when the, the right scenario and occasion comes up and private placement is a, a discussion that needs to be had to, to rely upon you and your team and partner with you. So on behalf of Steve and I, I just wanted to say thank you for your time. And if there's anything else you'd like to add, that's, that's all we have for the day. Thanks for the invitation. The material and opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what is appropriate for you, please contact a member of our team.